So Philippians chapter 3, and uh, look down with me at verse 13. Paul the Apostle writes, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So it's interesting here what, what Paul is calling us to do. He's saying, the things that are behind me, the things that are in my past, I'm going to forget those so that I can move forward and strain forward into the things that Christ has for me. Now, again, the reason that's interesting is last week we, we looked at the scriptures, how it says, remember, like remember what God's done in your life. Remember the things that God's done. And now we see Paul saying we should actually forget those things. And it's interesting because they're, they're equally important to remember all God has done in our life and reflect on that like we did last week is, is a beautiful thing. And it's so important, but it's equally important to really forget the things that are behind us so that we can move forward. And I should clarify clarify because um, some of you may seem confused by that, but to forget what lies behind us, what Paul's talking about here, it doesn't mean that you literally forget that you don't remember it. It means you're not living presently in your past. So forgetting the things that are behind doesn't mean we don't celebrate and rejoice and remember what God's done, but it means we're not consumed by that. It means that today what I'm doing and today how I live and today how we move forward as a church is not dictated and determined by the past. We're going to forget it in the sense that we're not living in it. We're not letting it control us. We're not letting it dictate and determine our future. And this is really a word God put on my heart specifically as we're starting off the new year, um, I wanted to bring something for us that that was relevant for where we're at in a new season of life. And the reality is 2017 is gone. This is our first time gathering together as a corporate body in 2018. And as we looked back last year, uh, last week and last year, I guess, at 2017, the reality is for some people, 2017 was amazing. For, for some of you guys, 2017 was full of success. It may have been filled with spiritual growth where you were really just flourishing and thriving in your walk with Jesus. That is the case for some of you. But for some, the case is 2017 uh, was not a year of spiritual growth. It was not a year of maturity. It was not a year of success, but in fact, the opposite. Maybe it was a difficult year for you. Maybe it was a year of struggle. Maybe it was a year full of depression. Maybe a year full of, of letdown and difficulties, but the the word remains the same and the command remains the same. That if if last year for you was amazing, if it was insightful, if it was challenging, if you grew spiritually, Paul says, I'm going to forget what lies behind and strain forward. If last year was difficult, full of brokenness and struggle and hardship, we're going to forget what lies behind us and, and move forward into the future that God's calling us into. So really, whatever category you fall into, uh, the command remains the same, to forget what lies behind us. And so I want to talk briefly about each of these because the reality is we all fall into one of these camps. As we look back at our past, that we look back at what took place in the last year over our lives, it was either amazing, And if we don't forget that, 
then we can actually be hindered from moving forward to what God has. Or if we look back at our past and say, man, it was difficult, it was, it was struggle, and, and we don't forget that, then it can actually control us in the present as well. So I first want to address uh, the people who maybe last year ha- had an amazing year, had a year of spiritual growth, maturity, uh, maybe success, maybe God opening new doors. Uh, that's what last year was for us as a new church, being birthed. We, we've seen the Lord doing amazing things. So um, um, it, it was an amazing year. And so I want to speak to those people first. So if you're in that camp, if, you, if you're reflecting on your past, and last year you would say, man, was successful. It was a year of spiritual growth. It was an amazing year. It can be very easy um, to get trapped living in the glory of your past. And, and this was the case for Paul. When Paul is saying, hey, I'm forgetting what's behind me, he was forgetting his achievements in his past. The context of Philippians 3 is Paul was talking about really his spiritual resume, born of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. And Paul said, I actually count all those things as rubbish or as dung compared to the surpassing worth of knowing and gaining Christ Jesus. So Paul said, my success, my achievements, my accomplishments, I'm going to forget those things. I'm going to leave those in the past so I can move forward into what God has for me. And it's interesting that what actually was your greatest success could actually become your greatest hindrance if you continue to live in that success, if you continue to dwell on that success, if you continue to live in the glory of the past, it actually hinders you from moving forward into the plans and into the future and into the calling that God has on your life. And so a question I have for us, if you're in this camp, if you look back and say, man, last year was great, My question is, do we talk more about what God has done in the past than we do what God's doing presently? Because this is a huge danger for some people. We say, man, like you you probably have met those people who who are still living in high school. Like, oh my gosh, you know, homecoming 2002 was so legit. And you're like, bro, we're like in 2018 now. Or that dude who's just like, dude, remember that touchdown pass I made? Like, oh my, and you're like, no, no one remembers that except for you, bro. Like, it's, it's sad, actually, when you see people who are still living in the glory of the past and still talking about the glory of the past, and you look at them and you say, well, wh- what about now? What are you pursuing now? What are you, what are you doing now? And, and it can be the same spiritually as well, that we have these spiritual highs, so to speak, which I'm not saying we should forget completely those and, and pretend like they didn't happen, but it's so sad when the greatest moment of your life is just something that you're looking back on rather than, man, God's doing great things in my life right now. And so this is what I want to challenge us in. Moving forward into 2018, I don't want us to be a people who just tell stories of what God did last year or what he did 10 years ago or what he did 20 years ago. I want us to be a people who has stories of what God's doing in our life presently. I, 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 don't, I don't care about what he's done in my life 20 years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. I want to know, man, what's God doing in my life right now? What, what, what's he doing to me right now? How's he changing me right now? How's he shaping me right now? But sadly, if we only meditate on and only remember the glory days of what God did do, and we get caught up living in that type of mindset, we miss out on the story that he's writing right now. We miss out on the plans that he has for our life right now. And so what I believe truly that we see in scripture is that God wants to take us from glory to greater glory. 
He doesn't want us to get caught living in the glory of the past or the success of your past. He wants to use you right now. He he wants to bring you to greater glory right now. And the reality is the moment that you become complacent and really in the present, start living in the past, you miss out on your future. You miss out on the plans that God has for you. And this is a dangerous thing. We actually see this happen in the book of Joshua. I want you to flip back there real quick. There's an amazing story of how we see the children of Israel relying on something that happened in the past and living in the glory of that and therefore missing out on what God had planned for them in the present. Joshua chapter six, or you could open up to chapter seven. Um, it's kind of towards the beginning of the Bible. It's after Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. So it's the sixth book of the Bible. Just flip back there real quick. I want you guys to see this. For me, it's personally just such a powerful illustration of how dangerous this really can be. And I believe that there, there are a lot of people who do this, who maybe don't even realize it, that we're so caught up in in the glory of the past. We're so caught up living in the glory days, living in our past success, living in the moment of our conversion, rather than saying, man, what does God have for me today? How does he want to sanctify me in this upcoming year? So Joshua chapter six, I'll just give you a brief overview. You guys know this story. In chapter six, God was bringing the children of Israel. He had just brought them out of Egypt over the uh, or over the Jordan River. It miraculously parted, and they were in the promised land. And God said, the first battle that I have for you is the battle of Jericho. If you guys grew up in Sunday school, I'm sure you remember the Bible story of like the children of Israel marching around the wall for seven days and then it falling down. That's what happened in chapter six. It was an amazing victory. Jericho was strategically um, one of the most well-fortified cities and was so powerful and the children of Israel just walked around the wall for seven days and at the end they blew some horns and yelled and then the walls fell down and they just completely dominated so imagine that right like conquering one of the greatest cities at that time just by walking around it not talking and then blowing like a kazoo you know like that's amazing so they that just happened God just like completely gave them this awesome victory over this massive military uh, city and then Up next, like in the conquest for going into the promised land and conquering was this city called Ai. Now, Ai was almost the exact opposite of Jericho. Jericho was this massive fortified city with a great army. Ai is this tiny little town. Now, check this out. The children of Israel had just conquered like the giant, so to speak. And now they're going into this tiny town of Ai. And what did they do when going into Ai? It's interesting. Let's look down at verse 1 of chapter 7. The children of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zebedee, uh, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. So when they went into Jericho, they took some things. This one guy, Achan, who God told him, don't take anything from that city. So check this out. Joshua, verse 2, sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel and said to them, go up and spy out the land. And the men went and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, 
do not have all the people go up, but let two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So they go spy out the land. They're like, oh, this is a tiny town. We can just send in a few thousand of our men because this is going to be easy. Like, we just completely dominated Jericho and didn't do anything. So if we just send a few thousand people in, this should be an easy battle. No big deal. Then verse 4 says about, so about 3,000 men went up from there, from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai, and the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as uh, Shabaram and struck them at the descent, and the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Now, here's what's crazy. You guys might think, oh, that's not really a big deal. Like, the Israelites had 36 casualties. Like, that's not that big of a deal. Well, it actually is because this was the only defeat that the children of Israel experienced in the conquest of the Promised Land. It was the only time that they had lost a battle. It was the only victory that they did not successfully go in and destroy. And the reason that it happened was because it's unique. We see in the conquest of Jericho, Joshua the leader seeking the Lord, receiving specific instruction and direction from the Lord. And yet here in chapter seven, we don't see him do that. He, he doesn't seek the Lord. He doesn't ask what God wants. He uses his own wisdom and says, oh my gosh, we just conquered this giant city. That was so easy. Now here's a small one. We'll just send a few thousand people. And, and later we see in the chapter that Joshua does come before the Lord and says, man, why, why have we been struck down before our enemies? And God says, send the whole army. When Joshua begins to seek the Lord and get vision and direction from the Lord, God's instructions are, I want you to take the whole team. I, I want you to go and send in the entire army army. And so Joshua really faced and struggled with and experienced where a lot of us can, that man, what, what, what a great victory that was that we just experienced, conquering our foes, conquering Jericho. That was amazing. And yet because of that, because of his success, because of his victory, he assumed that doing something smaller was going to be much easier. He assumed that God was going to continue to give him victory without coming before him and without seeking him. And as he moved out in his own strength, assuming that he was going to be victorious over AI, the children of Israel were defeated before their foes. And so this is a, a great warning sign for us and just a really great practical lesson for exactly what I believe Paul the Apostles talking about back in Philippians 3. Paul says, man, I forget those things that are behind me that I may press on into the things that Christ has for me. And if you are currently right now living your life and, and planning your future based on your past, based on what God did in your life last year, based on the success of your company last year, if we're not presently in this moment today seeking God and saying, what do you have planned for my life? We may just end up like the children of Israel, stepping out in our own strength, assuming that the success or the glory or the maturity or the growth of last year means the same thing's going to happen this year and we may end up just like the children of Israel. The moment that you become complacent uh, in the present based on the achievements of your past is the exact moment that you will stop progressing and walking in the future calling that God has for your life. And so I want us as a 
as individuals to be a people who this year forgets the, the success, forgets the achievement of the past, forgets all the glory of 2017 and says, man, I believe that God has something greater. And we want to do this as a church as well. 2017 for us as a church has been amazing. What God did last year was amazing, but we don't want to allow that to dictate our future. We don't want to assume that God wants to continue to do the same thing. We want to continue to seek God today and seek God this year and say, what do you have planned for us as a church? What what, what do you have in store for us as a church? So I want to challenge us individually and corporately to be a people who leaves the success and the achievements and the glory of our past, leave that in the past and believe that God has something better planned for you in this upcoming year. Amen. So that's one camp. That's one category. That's that's some of us. But there's another camp as well. And, and that is for some people, again, who look back on your past. Maybe it was 2017. Maybe it's been your entire life. As you really look back on your past, you say, man, my, my past is actually full of brokenness. 2017 for me was actually a really terrible year. It, it was hopeless. It was it was depressing. I went through a lot. And a lot of you guys um, are trapped in living in in the shame and the guilt and the brokenness of your past. The reality is we all have brokenness. We all have pain. We all have struggles. But the enemy, when, when we look back at our past and see our failures and see our shortcomings and see our sin, when we look back on that, the enemy wants to hold it over us and say, yeah, continue to look back. Continue to look at how big of a failure you were. Continue to look at your brokenness. Continue to look at all the sin and all the things that you've done wrong. The enemy can so easily try and dictate and control our future by getting us to look back at our past and and, and really allowing it to control us. But the reality is you are not defined by your past. You're not defined by your past mistakes. You're not defined by your past sins. You're not defined by your past brokenness. The only thing that we are defined by as followers of Jesus is the distance that Jesus went to to meet us when we were in our ultimate state of brokenness. Amen? Like, that's what defines us. We're we're defined by the fact that Jesus came to us and gave his life for us when we were at the lowest of low. He he gave his son for us while we were sinners, Christ died for us, right? So that's what defines us. That's what defines me. Not, man, last year I was such a screw-up, and man, it's so full of guilt and so full of shame. If we continue to look at that, then, then we're never going to move forward into the plans that God has for us. We're going to continue to see ourselves as just these broken sinners. But man, Christ has imparted to us his righteousness when we look at what he accomplished for us in the past by going to the cross and giving everything for us. And so I want to challenge you guys who, as you look back at your past and say, man, I'm honestly kind of haunted by that. I'm honestly kind of scarred by it and, and trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with it. What, what am I supposed to do with my past failures? What am I supposed to do with my past brokenness? Well, if you continue to look back and, and allow it to grip you and, and allow it to control you and allow it to fill your mind, the reality is it will paralyze you from moving forward into what God has called you to. And what he's called us to is, again, what Paul says in verse 13, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So God's command for your life 
about your past, your brokenness, your sin, your struggles is we're gonna forget that that's behind us. We're gonna leave that behind and move forward into what's ahead. But I did wanna clarify because some people may get confused here. To forget what lies behind you as as we're thinking about our, our brokenness, our sin, our struggles, to forget what lies behind you does not mean you treat it as though it didn't happen. This, this is where we can kind of get off track. If we're saying, man, I'm going to forget my past. Some people say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to forget it. All, all those mistakes I made, all, all my failure, all my sin. I'm just going to pretend like that never happened. And when those thoughts come into my mind, I'm just going to try and forget about them and just pretend like that never happened. But man, that is not a healthy way to, to deal with your past, to just be passive about it and say, I'm going to pretend like it doesn't exist is not a healthy pattern. If there's something in your past that you are too afraid to, to talk about or to, to bring to the light or that you're trying to hide from other people and just pretend like it doesn't exist, that is an indicator that you haven't forgotten your past. That that's an indicator that you have not moved on from the brokenness of your past. If it's, man, it's still inside of me and I'm pretending like it doesn't exist, but I can't really seek counsel on this and I can't really talk about it. That, that, that's an indicator that we have not moved forward from our past, that, that we're trapped in our past, that we're still living in the brokenness and the shame and the guilt of our past. But it's when we bring that forward, it's, it's when we're able to talk about it, it's when we're able to bring it to the light and bring it to Christ that we really experience the freedom to begin to move forward from our past. So maybe it is for some of you uh, a particular sin or a particular struggle. Maybe if you look back on last year or the whole course of your life, you're like, man, there's just this thing that, that I continue to struggle with. There's just this thing that has me gripped, whatever it is. And, and, and you continue to just say, man, I, I can't get over it. I, I can't forget it. It just keeps coming back up and it just keeps haunting me and you keep trying to forget it because you're like Paul says, we got to forget the past and move forward. You keep trying to forget it, but the reality is, You're trying to forget it passively. You're trying to forget it and say, I just want to pretend like it's not there. You can't deal with it that way. You have to actually bring it to the light in order to process your past to begin to move forward into the future. Maybe it's not a a, a sin or a temptation or something that you struggle with. Maybe it's something that someone did to you. Maybe it's a sin someone committed against you. Maybe it was last year. Maybe it was in your childhood. And for your entire life, you've been haunted by this thing that someone did to you in the past. And you're saying, man, I'm trying to get over that. I'm trying to work through that. I'm trying to get past that. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to forget that it even happened. You're saying, I'm just trying to get it out of my mind, which again, isn't how we actually move from the past. It isn't how we move forward. It's not forget it and pretend like it didn't exist. It's begin to work through it. Begin to work through the pain and the brokenness and the struggle that you've experienced. And if we don't do that, we're gonna be continually trapped in our past whether it's things you've done or things that have been done to you. So my question is, what does this look like then? What does it look like biblically to begin to actually work through our past? Not pretend it doesn't exist and just try and get out of our mind, but in a healthy way to leave the past in the past, to begin to process it and work through it so that we can move forward into the things that God has planned for us in this upcoming year. And there's a few things I wanted to bring up. Number one, If you're a note taker, or if this is something that you've been wrestling with, if you're like, man, there's just this thing in my past. I'm 
I want to leave it in the past. I want to forget. I want to move on from it. How do I do that? How do I go about that? Number one, and and I understand that these are difficult things. These are difficult steps to take, but this is a healthy way to process and begin to move forward in leaving the past in the past. Number one, you actually have to approach that person who you have wronged or who has wronged you, who has kept your heart and your mind trapped in the past. We see this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Isn't this interesting? Jesus says, if your brother has done something against you, meaning you may not have done anything wrong, but if somebody has done something against you in your past that, that's keeping you trapped there, that's preventing you from moving forward into the freedom God has for you, Jesus says, if someone's done something against you, if someone's done something to you, you need to approach that person and you need to bring that before that person. And I understand that that, that, that may take time. I understand that you may be at a place in your life where you're not ready to have that conversation yet, that you're not ready to go and do that, and that's okay. If you're at a place right now that you're just struggling with that, wrestling with it, that's okay. But I did need to share that this is what needs to take place in order for you to begin to actually process your past and process what's happened to you and begin to move forward. Excuse me. So, You need to go to that person. But I want you to also see in in Luke 17, verse 4, if you want to write that down, Jesus also says this, if your brother sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So there's actually both sides of the coin. Jesus says, if someone's wronged you, then you need to go to them and you need to share with them what they've done that has wronged you. But Jesus also says, if your brother has sinned against you even seven times in one day and he comes to you and says, hey, I repent, I'm sorry that I've sinned against you, Jesus says, you need to forgive. So we see both here. We see that if someone's done something against you, Jesus says, you need to go to that person and you need to begin to work through that. And Jesus also says, if you've done something to someone, you should be able to go to that person and, and repent and ask for their forgiveness even seven times. And, and in one day they could say, man, I forgive you. And so really both here are implying that if someone has wronged you, or if you have wronged someone in your past that, that has been keeping you trapped in the past, that's been keeping you from moving forward into really what God has planned for you. Either way, Jesus calls us as disciples and followers of Jesus to go on the offense, to go on the offense and be proactive. If someone's hurt me, I need to be able to approach that person and have that conversation. If I've hurt someone and not dealt with that, I need to be able to approach that person and repent and ask for their forgiveness. And so I want to just challenge you guys. If you have been plagued by your past, trapped in your past, living by the past, the guilt, the shame, the brokenness, whatever it is, to forget it doesn't mean 
we treat it like it doesn't exist. It means, man, we need to begin to work through that. And the first step is just going to that person and either repenting or asking them if, if, if they would repent or whatever it looks like. Jesus calls us to go and reconcile the relationships that have been broken that may keep us haunted and trapped in our past. So number one, we go to that person. Secondly, and most importantly, which follows going to the other person, we bring it to them. We, we bring it to them. And then number two, we bring it to Jesus, right? Sometimes though, we want to skip step one. We say, I don't want to have that conversation with that person. I just want to bring it to Jesus. And the reality is this doesn't work. If, if it's just between you and Jesus, but you haven't tried to make it right with the other person, you're skipping what Jesus has prescribed as the way that we deal with those things. And a lot of times, this is what happens. We, we in our heart, repent. Oh, Jesus, forgive me for doing that to that person. Oh, Jesus, forgive that person for what they've done. But guess what? In your heart, if you haven't had that conversation, if you haven't met them, they might not even know that you have anger problems towards them. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm dealing with the cold, the polar plunge. Did anyone else do that? Terrible idea. It was New Year's Day. I heard like, hey, a bunch of people are going to jump in the freezing pond that I run past. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So I went and did it. It was an amazing experience. I don't know if I'll ever do it again. Um, Just saying, uh, I had a gnarly cold all week because I was in like negative degree water. So that's what happened. Um, So again, bringing it to the individuals, bringing it before Jesus. This is equally important as well. It can't just be a conversation with a person. It has to be a conversation with the person, Jesus, who's the only person who can actually bring true freedom and true healing from our brokenness and from our past. It says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your burden on him for he cares for you. Isn't that amazing? Our past, our brokenness, our burdens, our struggles, Jesus actually cares about that. Like how amazing is that? Some people have, have so much hurt and have went through so much, they don't think that anybody cares or that anybody can relate. Jesus is the person who can relate. Jesus is the person who does care because it tells us in Isaiah 53, verse three and four, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Man, isn't that amazing? Jesus, when he went to the cross, he took our sin, he took our guilt, he took our shame, he took our condemnation, he took our sorrows, he took our grief. In that moment that he, the person of Jesus, was on the cross, he took from us all of our past. He took from us all of our brokenness. He took from us all of our burdens. He took from us all of our sorrow. And in that moment, he experienced and knows fully what we have experienced, what it feels to be broken, what it feels to be betrayed, what it feels to be stabbed behind the back, what it feels to to just have this weight of sin. He, the sinless savior, felt that. He, He knows what that's like. And in doing that, There is now no sorrow, there's no sin, there's no brokenness, there's no burden that Jesus has not already dealt with. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus himself made our past, his past on the cross so that we could have a new future. He went to the cross saying, it's finished, meaning I've dealt with it. 
your guilt, your shame, your brokenness, the wrongs that other people have done to you. He went to the cross and he took all that, giving us a new future. And anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. That is such a beautiful message. That is such the beauty of the gospel, man, that Jesus has already done it. He's, he's freed us from it. We just now have to embrace that and say, I receive that. We now have to say, Jesus, if you don't hold my past against me, if you don't look at me as guilty and as condemned and as this broken person, man, why should I hold that against myself? If, if Jesus has forgiven you and if Jesus has forgiven those who have wronged you, we can forgive ourselves and we can forgive those who have wronged us. And so I want us to just see the importance of this, of embracing and stepping into a deeper relationship with Jesus and in bringing our past to him and saying, I trust you with this. I give this to you. I surrender this to you. That is where freedom comes. That is where new mercies come. That is where we begin to experience healing from the brokenness of our past that has hindered us from moving forward into all that God has for us. And so when we, a broken people, come to the broken Savior, we experience that. We experience healing. We experience freedom. We experience new mercies. And I believe that that is what God wants for this church, for this people in the new year. I believe that he has new plans. I believe he wants to take us from glory to greater glory. I believe that he wants us to leave 2017 and your childhood and all of our past. He wants us to leave that behind and move forward into the new plans that he has for our lives. And so today, if if you've been holding things in your past. Maybe you've been living in the glory of your past. Maybe you've been relying on past successes. Jesus today is saying, trust me with your future. Jesus is saying, I have new plans and greater things for you today. And if you've been living trapped in the guilt and the shame and the burden of your past, Jesus says, I have new plans for you. I have new mercies for you in 2018. If you'll surrender that, if you'll give to Jesus and bring your burdens to Jesus, he has new plans for us. So as a church, we are not going to let our, our past di- dictate our future. We're not going to let the success of 2017 and the failures and mistakes we made of 2017, we're not going to let that dictate the future of this church. We're going to continue to submit and surrender to the plans that Jesus has for us. And that's what he has for you individually as well. He's saying, man, let's leave the past in the past. Let's forget what lies behind us and move forward into 2018 for the prize that Jesus has ahead for us. Amen.